0: This week we'll talk about self-studying and continuous learning in machine learning and bioinformatics. We have a special guest today, Aisha. Aisha is a self-taught bioinformatician, machine learning engineer, and data scientist from Johannesburg, Johannesburg, South Africa. She graduated from machine learning Zoom Camp that we have here at Data Talks Club, and she studied Python and basic development. And she maintains a blog on bioinformatics and machine learning topics. Beyond touch is interested in many other things, such as photography and digital art. So maybe if you saw the picture we have for the cover today, like there is this spice mushroom. And this is what we talked about. So this is something Aisha drew. So welcome to our interview today.
1: I'm glad to be able to speak on the podcast. And thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. The questions for today's interview were prepared by Johanna Bayer. Thanks Johanna as always for your help. You are very helpful in preparing all these questions and let's start. So before we go into our main topic of self-study and continuous learning in machine learning bioinformatics, let's start with your background. Can you tell us about your career journey so far?
1: My career journey I would say is like just beginning still (laughs) considering I'm like I'm basically a student. I've just I've been mostly doing my studies up to now But like I started studying Python quite a few years ago. I don't remember how old I was. I think I was like 12 or something or 11 maybe. And I've been studying, I did like introductory Python and then I did like JavaScript and HTML and CSS, like the standard, I want to do coding, what do I do, package. And then I discovered like data science and bioinformatics and I was like, okay, this is like a cool field to go into. And I started studying that. And I was also studying like biology and chemistry and like the more sciencey fields. And then recently I started going into more machine learning and like actually focusing on trying to build my career in machine learning. So that is like my goal now is to like establish myself in machine learning and still be able to like do my bioinformatics along with it. If there's like some way I can merge these two different fields I've been doing. And then scientific illustration is something I want to, like, pursue on the side, maybe, as, like, a second field or something like that.
0: Scientific illustration, what is that?
1: Scientific illustration is, like, there are different types of scientific illustration. Like, I'm not sure if you've seen those where they make, like, infographics or, like, animations or stuff explaining, like, scientific concepts. New York
0: Times. Well, New York Times is different. Maybe there are not so many. Not so much scientific yeah, but i but think i are, know seen, what you mean i've
1: seen there are like um scientific illustrations published in new york times as well so that's like mm-hmm. one of them and then also like just general making art to explain science basically is how i'll describe it's like explaining science through art and like a visually engaging appealing manner for like People maybe who are not so much into science, who just have like a general interest in science. Like explaining all the de-jargonifying science and explaining it in like a easy, nice manner is what I would consider a scientific illustration or art as a whole.
0: I think we had a podcast episode maybe a year ago or sometime like that. It was with MEOR, and we talked about visualizing machine learning. Mm-hmm. And we spent most of the time on that interview discussing how exactly MEOR comes with uh his visualizations Mm. like how he goes from a concept to like an illustration what is the process so -hmm. probably it's related
1: yeah it's like a similar thing
0: okay and then you said you studied python you started studying python like 12 years ago or sometime like that quite some time ago and then you also studied
1: no i was uh it wasn't that long ago i was Mm -hmm. like 12 myself i was 12 years old.
0: (laughs) Ah. 12 months ago, not 12
1: years No, no, like it wasn't 12 months ago. I was 12 years ago when I started studying Python. I ah, think it was okay. like five or six years ago.
0: I see. I see. What I'm trying to ask here is you're not taking these classes as any part of any formal education, right? So you're just going there on the internet, finding things there to study and you just study them, right? Or how, how does it work? Like, how do you learn all these things?
1: All right, so I wouldn't say I, like, just go on the internet and just start studying things. Like, I try not to be, like, randomly pursuing everything I find interesting. Because... But it's not
0: formal education, right? It's yeah, not, like,
1: yeah, it's self-study. You're not
0: doing this at university.
1: I've been homeschooled, so like, I haven't gone to any formal education, technically. Like, I now went to school. I've not gone to uni. Like, technically, if I was going in school, I would be going to uni now. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to uni. I've not been to any school. So, like, everything I know, I've either, like, my mom used to teach me before that, or I self studied, so I'm either homeschooled or self taught. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. I don't think I ever spoke to anyone who was homeschooled. So how did it feel?
1: <laughs> That's such a difficult question to ask because, like, I don't <laughs> know what don't it would know, be- right? yeah, yeah. I don't know what it would feel like going to school because I've like literally never gone to school. So, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: but it uh, would be your mother or like, just teaching you some stuff, and then eventually, maybe it was just you studying things.
1: Yeah, like, obviously when I was a kid, then it was, like, my parents would, like, teach, we'd study, whatever, and, like, we never, like, followed a curriculum or something, so I was, like, whatever at that point, like, that's why I started studying programming or scientific stuff much earlier, I think, than I would have gotten to at school, because I found it interesting, so then my mom would, like, gather resources and let me learn it and teach me or whatever. And then after that, once I was old enough, I just started studying by myself online with online resources and stuff. So,
0: mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, well, m- when my kid is sick and we need to do some homeschooling too, I just never have <laughs> patience to actually sit with you and uh, explain <laughs> all this stuff. So, your parents must be very patient people.
1: Yes, <laughs> my parents put up with a lot of stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah that's cool well i guess you have more flexibility this way right so like if you want to travel you just go and travel
1: yes way more flexibility Even not like i'm not like even if traveling and stuff just in what i'm studying there's like so much more flexibility than in school where okay you're studying one thing and then like you can't study everything you want maybe at school because you have to follow the school system and this way i can like study things I can pick and choose what I want to study. Like if there's something I already know, then I don't have to like go through again. again like I would have to in school curriculum.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what I wanted to ask you next or the question we prepared is what motivated you to take this approach? And I guess you kind of answered that already because you have been doing self-studying since forever, right? Since school days. Yeah. So maybe what is interesting is how do you decide to learn? What exactly... Like there are so many things on the internet, right? So you mm-hmm. open any, I don't know, data science uh, subreddit or I don't know, any data science community. And then mm-hmm. you're immediately bombarded with all these links, all these new things. And then you feel, okay, I'm like, I have to study all that. And if I don't, I have, this, uh, I have this fear of missing out. So how do you approach this systematically? How do you not go crazy when you need to do this on your own?
1: So as a general like topic, like, okay, I want to study... I don't know bioinformatics or whatever um that I I think I started following it like out of interest a bit more because I always wanted to do the cool scientific research and stuff but that hasn't always been possible to like pursue that path so then I discovered that like there's something more realistic within my reach that I can do with like tech stuff and online and with the resources I have available and it's sort of like I still get to do the cool sciencey stuff but it's like practical because i can do it so that is how i began studying it and maybe finding resources i don't know i've always like maybe i did waste a bit too much time doing like introductory python courses <laughs> because i was like okay well i did this course and i did that course and then i faffed around for a while but then i think i've just gotten good at finding the good resources because you get the hang of it after like doing it for a while of finding out that these are like the best resources And then it helped that I had like a sort of guideline in my mind of what I need to know. So I need to know like this much of biology or chemistry or whatever, and my Python skills need to be at this level. And then for bioinformatics specifically, I found this really cool pathway made by the Open Source Society University, where they make like these tracks and stuff. So then I followed that. But i was saying, like in general, in finding resources, I think spending a lot of time online helps with that because like you can start curating the resources that you find and you're like okay this is covering this skill set and maybe this is not what i need right now and it might be cool but maybe i can do that some later point and not now or if you can find communities where people have gathered resources like okay to achieve this certain skill set this is what you need to learn and then you can either follow those specific resources or you can find like alternate resources but I think majorly what has helped is having a like idea in my mind of what skills I need. So like, if I want to pursue machine learning, I need a basic introductory look at machine learning. And that's why I did the Zoom camp in the first place. Was because I was like, okay, this seems like a good resource to get my basics down. And then once I know a bit more about the field, then I can decide that, okay, what skills do I need to develop further?
0: Yeah, I have so many questions based on what you just said. So there are so many interesting directions so first of all you said that you developed a feeling you know when you look at the resource you know that it's good yeah and they wonder how does it work like how do you know let's say you look at a zoom camp. of course zoom camp yeah. maybe it's a very good example right? because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> of course. i mean let's not take a zoom camp. like you take a resource right yeah. so how do you know if it's good like how do you understand that
1: So there are a few things I look at. The first one, like skim the syllabus or whatever, and see if the content that they're teaching is something that I need right now. If it's like applicable to me right now, there's so much cool stuff that I want to learn. And I'm like, okay, maybe knowing exactly how stars explode in space is not something you know right now. So obviously that's something I just throw out the window there, but then say I pick up like a course on machine learning and I will see that, okay, the syllabus is good. It's teaching me how to use a framework that I need to know right now. So then I'll like watch like the introductory videos and see that, okay, does it feel like this course is offering quality? Does it look like something that is being taught in a good way? Does it look like the people know what they're talking about? Or am I going to get ripped off here? That kind of thing, like just gauging the general quality of it. Like if you were to pick up a book and you'd flip a few pages around, read a bit, And you see like, okay, does this look like something that is quality or does it look like somebody, I don't know, just wrote a bunch of stuff that they don't know what they're talking about and published it. Because obviously on the internet, it's like that YouTube stereotype where there are people on YouTube who don't know what they're talking about, but there's so much good resources on YouTube as well. But like, you can get an idea for how much the person knows what they're talking about, how beneficial it might be. If you like skim through it a bit and like just pick out bits and pieces and like listen to them or whatever and then you can decide that okay this up till now this looks like something that's good and then you can like commit to studying it and then seeing how it is
0: you mainly look at free resources or you also consider paid courses
1: i try and go for free where possible obviously because it's more affordable (laughs) but if if it's like good resources then i'm not like or worse to investing in it because like, okay, this is something that will benefit me or my career down the lane, then, okay, it's a worthwhile investment. But I will make sure that if I'm investing in something, it is quality and it is worth it. It's not like I would try to avoid investing in something where I can learn with the free resources, even if it's like a harder study or whatever.
0: Because scheming uh, a paid course might be more difficult, right? Because you don't have access to the course yeah. usually yeah. maybe some parts but yeah. you don't usually get the access to the course to know if it's good or not yeah, so, yeah. You really so for, pa- for a
1: paid resource i'd go more like okay who's the author who published it is mm-hmm. there any free content that they've put out or somewhere where i can like get a general idea for their sort of content elsewhere like aside from this one paid course so you can like get a general profiling of who is teaching the course before you like pay for it to like get me see if it's credible or not see their credentials what work they've done that kind of things
0: then funny that you mentioned uh, this information about how stars explode because this is what i was just reading the other day that's pretty cool stuff and quite interesting <laughs> yeah but maybe like in this example if you study machine learning then mm. obviously astronomy is not super relevant to that <laughs> at least yeah. most of astronomy So this is kind of a no-brainer, right? So if you want to learn about linear regression, you know that how stars explode.
1: (laughs) It's not going to help you.
0: Yeah, but when it comes to machine learning, there are many things. Like For example, when I was studying machine learning, I thought that support vector machines are super important to understand. And also because um, I was taking the machine learning class at the university, and that at the university, the teacher was one of the... Like he was doing a lot of research in support vector machines. Hmm. So I thought that it's very important to really understand these things well. But when I started working, I understood that nobody really cares about them.
1: Yeah.
0: So support vector machines are not really useful anymore. So how do you understand that? Like how do you understand these things that, okay, astronomy is not relevant, but when it comes to machine learning, there are some topics that are perhaps more relevant, some are less relevant. Yeah. So how do you understand which direction to go?
1: I think this one is just something like, you do it and then realize, okay, it wasn't that needed. I spent a lot of time doing a data science course and that had a lot of like data visualization. And then also had like data cleaning and everything. And at that point I was like, okay, maybe this is not the direction I want to go in. So it's not that important as what I was, like I was doing it for machine learning or data science more. So seeing how the data is clean or maybe good knowledge to have, but maybe not as relevant as what I wanted to do then. So, okay, I did it. And maybe it would come in handy later. But at the time, it was not what I was looking for. So I think that's just something you have to, like, you figure out after the fact that you studied that. Okay, this is not something as relevant. Like, because there's no way you'd know that without studying it.
0: It's Okay. So I thought maybe you'll just uh, tell me, okay, do that, that, and then you'll know what is relevant.
1: (laughs) No. Unless maybe somebody can figure out some spells, then please share with me. (laughs) Uh
0: Well, I guess uh, in this case... um community is helpful right so because you can always yeah. ask people you can also, who already went through. and like
1: you could i think like to some degree maybe it is you can like get an idea by doing your own research or like figuring finding people more in the field and getting there if they have done like interviews or question answers whatever you could like ask them or communities could be helpful but i think to some degree it's unavoidable that you end up studying something and they're like okay maybe it wasn't that important
0: i just wanted to say that uh, while doing my masters and also my bachelor, I also studied a lot of stuff that is not relevant. So maybe mm-hmm. if I was doing self-study instead, then things would have been different, right? So yeah, maybe, maybe I would have actually spent more time on studying things that are relevant, not because yeah. of what the teachers thought what
1: the teachers think is relevant. And like there was somebody who mentioned that they were studying computer science, and they said that for the first two years of their curriculum, they don't touch computer science at all, and they must learn English and maths and chemistry. So, like, it's funny how the school system works. Like, why must you study chemistry in your university when you're majoring for computer science? Like, okay, that's one thing to have a basic knowledge of it, and it's one thing that you're studying it in university when you're trying to study computer science. Whereas if you were, like, you could just focus on computer science and learn whatever is necessary. And if there are any gaps in your knowledge, you can also go back and study later. It's not like if you didn't study chemistry in your first year, but then you need it in your fourth year, it's the end of the world.
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Well, I did not have that when I was studying computer science. Hmm. Well, we had chemistry. that would would also
1: depend on, like, where you're studying. Uh But, like, I'm just giving an example.
0: We did have chemistry, but later, like, on third grade, which is not (laughs) clear, clear why. I mean, I had fun. I like chemistry at school and then at university, I also kind of enjoyed it, uh-huh. but it's not something I really need to know. Yeah. Apart from having pleasure in studying this, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no other application. Mm. Yeah, but we did spend a lot of time studying math. And while fun, like I enjoyed like solving all these equations and all these things. Like, again, at my work as a data scientist, yeah, most of these things aren't really needed.
1: So. Yeah, it's like one thing that you study something because you find it interesting or you want to go into like a research field or something. So you studied it. But I think in like a day to day application, you're hardly going to need a lot of this kind of stuff. And if you need it again, you can just like say you want to you, you're joining, a, you're pursuing a career path and you're like, OK, this is needed. So you can study it then instead of like wasting all of your time studying it where you could be building up a main skill instead.
0: Yeah. And how do you approach this? How do you approach learning? Do you focus on building projects? you focus on learning theory first? Or how how does it work for you?
1: I think a balance of both is needed because obviously without make, building projects, it's like there's always that aspect to just theory, which is lacking because like you could know something very well in theory, but in practice, your knowledge will end up falling short. You run into issues which you wouldn't have in known in how to solve with just a theory. But I think also learning new things in the theory is important, like building new skills or advancing your skill set, especially in something like tech. Like if you're to build more projects in like a particular field, but then you're not learning new skills. And then at some point you're going to be like, okay, these skills that I have are outdated and I spent all my time building a bunch of projects with a skill that's now falling out of the market. And like, I like learning more by building projects as well as like, I like reading and stuff. So I'll just read a bunch about things and then I'll go and try to build a project and I'm like, okay, I did half of the things I learned weren't needed and half of the things I needed to build the project, I didn't know. So then you hit the Google. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think like a balance of both is a good way to go. So like you covered on both fronts.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the projects approach and then I think I neglect theory and then. It's not uh, the ideal case. Maybe it should be about like you said.
1: Yeah, but like to some degree, projects always a bit more interesting because you've like got problem solving or whatever. So I think that that the projects have a bigger appeal at some point.
0: (laughs) But I'm wondering for you, how do you decide what to build? Like if you want to build a project, then you Hmm. probably there is a skill you want to master, and then how do you decide that to master the skill, I want to build this project that should do this, this, and that. How does it work for you?
1: I don't know. I just, I think I think of ideas first and then I'm like, okay, this would be a good way to use these skills. <laughs> I like just surfing on the internet and finding like for the data and stuff, I like just finding cool data and I'm like, okay, what can I do with this data? Because I want to use this data because the data is interesting. And then I'm like, okay, maybe this would be something I want to like, I don't know, get better at pandas or something as a random example. And I'm like, okay, I could use this data to build something with this framework I'm like, okay, let's just do it. Like there isn't a lot of reasoning behind my project. Sometimes beyond, it's cool, let's do it. <laughs> so I like going on those data set searches and just typing keywords, which like I'm interested in, and then just seeing what comes up and picking random stuff that is cool.
0: Yeah, let's say if you're interested in astronomy and exploring stars, you can go to Kaggle or whatever data set yeah. uh, website, and then you can just look yeah. for astronomical stuff and then There's an interesting data set. Let's see what what we can do
1: with it. Yeah. Another way I found of finding cool data is like, you know, they publish the research papers on random stuff, on like science, scientific stuff. And a lot of them, they publish the data with it. So it's not where I clean data a lot of the time because it's not like meant to be used for data stuff. But if you like clean up the data, you can make like, it's a cool way of finding data that's like linked to like a study or something. And then you can see like, oh, what else can be done with this data? Can I like make something cool using this data in a different way maybe? I like just going to like studies that I read because I like reading scientific papers just for the fun of it. <laughs> so then I bookmark the studies which are cool and then just see what I can do with the data in my free time.
0: How do you find these papers Papers that you want to read?
1: Mostly it's like, if I have like some sort of question, I was wondering, I don't know, I'm falling short on examples, but like I spend a lot of time reading about horse color genetics because I was like, okay, so if the horses have this color, then how does their color genetics work? And then I was like, okay, so how does the human and female in pigmentation work? And I just fall in like a Google rabbit hole until I find cool research papers about it. Hmm.
0: I don't typically do this every day, but I remember when I was preparing for my master thesis, when I was writing it, and mm. uh, of course I needed to do some research to understand what was done before that, mm. before my work, uh, what I can base my work on. Yeah. I found the Google Scholar very useful. Yeah. Yeah, you use it, do you?
1: Yeah. I use Google Scholar, but often I just go on like the main Google and I just search and there's like the, they just put like research article as a keyword. And then there's like PubMed, Nature articles, quite a few, I'm forgetting the names now, but like there are quite a few which are like free publications that allow you to read the entire things without paying for it.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of thing.
1: It's good for like when I'm just sitting free and I like, I just end up spending hours on Google, wasting my time reading absolutely random stuff. But sometimes the data can come from it, which is useful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember one of the most useful feature of Google Scholar was this citation graph. Mm. you know what are the impactful papers that this particular paper cites. Yeah. So then you can kind of go back yeah. in time and see what is the foundation.
1: And you can also see what paper cited this paper. So you can like pursue that down.
0: Yeah, exactly. So then you have this both directions, right? You can go to yeah. the past and see what was done before and then yeah. what kind of work was based on this paper. Yeah. And then um, I remember also spending a lot of time on that, but I kind of had to, to do this because I needed to like uh, one of the chapters in my thesis was state-of-the-art research. I mean, so that was a part of the thesis. But I can understand how fun it could be, like when you have a topic that you're interested in, just go there and explore. And uh, yeah, I'm really curious now to talk about your experience with our course, Machine Learning Zoom Camp. Mm -hmm. How did you find it? Like why did it attract you? Why did you decide that this is actually a good course?
1: mostly because it was fast (laughs) like it was like four months so it's brief because like I get bored so I didn't want to do something that was very long I'm like okay four months it's fine I can do it
0: four months is a lot of time many things can happen in four months
1: yeah but it's not like a huge long one year long you gotta study for one year to get things done yeah like I'm already studying my bioinformatics has been going on for like three or four years so I wanted something that's not going on for that long I wanted something like okay just quick be quick about it don't spend years and I thought that was like a good way to like break into machine learning. Like it's going to offer me like a good comprehensive look at the different aspects of it. This I got from like reading your guys' syllabus and everything. And then I also saw that I mentioned three projects and like weekly small projects. So I thought that maybe it's more project oriented. So that'll be fun because I didn't want to like do too much theory. So mainly the things that was like, okay, it's not that long and it has projects. So I was like, okay, let's give this a try. It should be interesting.
0: Do you remember where you found it? Like on Reddit or on social media somewhere?
1: First, my mom mentioned it to me. I'm not sure where she found it. I think she follows the newsletter or something.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then I saw it after that on LinkedIn. So I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out.
0: Is your mom listening to us talking right now?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure she might be.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, tell her hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about projects, right? And yeah. uh, since you mentioned, uh, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about too. So in Zoom Camp, we have these three projects, and yeah. I wanted to talk to you, like, to understand how exactly what was your approach when it came to selecting projects. How did you decide what to do there? Like, was it also the data set first approach, or how did you go about that?
1: Yeah, I think it was very much data set first approach. Except for the second, like the first capstone project that I was doing, the competition, the Kaggle competition for the kitchen thingy. And then I ran out of time to build a separate one for the capstone. So I used the same project in both places. But the first project I did, like the midterm, was about predicting the toxicity of frogs based on their color. So initially I was going to make something. I was like, Wanted to find something cool because I didn't want to do like the economic or political, the like property and price data because that was boring. I don't want to do it. So I think I went, I don't remember. There was like one website, either was a Google dataset search or some other website. And I just like searched like poison or something like that. I want you to like the most toxic poisons or something like that. But then I found this one where they did an entire study about how a species of frog's color indicates its toxicity, like its brightness and everything. So I was like, okay, well, what if I make a model that if you input the data, it can predict the species of the frog instead and its toxicity. So that's what I built then. So I built a model that like, it takes the values, the values had to be given in like the accurate form that the study measured them in. So it wasn't like practical probably, but then it would just predict how toxic that frog species would be. So I just went on like data set search and Googled. And then I think the next one I did was like a landscape recognition. So that also I just like, okay, I went on Kaggle. For that one, I wanted to do something with like the image um, recognition. So I just went on Kaggle and I went, opened the image recognition data sets and I saw like a landscape classifier and I didn't have too much time that time around. So I just picked like a easier one and went for the landscape classifier. Mm
0: See. Well, this one about frog toxicity is really interesting. So I guess this is one of the things that were interesting for you back then, right? And then you decided to find something. Yeah,
1: topic, right? I actually wasn't even looking for anything to do with frogs. I was looking for something to do with poison because like, I'd been reading about poison recently and I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's do something poisonous. And then I saw the frog one and then I did my research. I read the research papers. And then I went to learn about that species of frog. And I was like, okay, this is way cooler. We're doing this. <laughs>
0: I kind of want to ask you more about, like, how did you even come across, you know, this poison topic? Why? Because like, <laughs> part of self-studying, I guess, you said you spend a lot of time just doing random stuff on the internet, reading things. So I'm really curious, like, how exactly it happened. Did you even realize that? Okay, now you're all of a sudden interested in poisons
1: no, I honestly didn't. I keep like finding random things that are interesting and then I just spend a lot of time googling them until I'm bored with them and then I never think about them again. So poison is just one of those I was like, okay, this is interesting let's read about it but then like it's not like a lasting interest.
0: <laughs> yeah I see Do you somehow structure all these things like uh, all these topics I don't know poison then uh, like you said, horse genetics and all the other things. Like, or just you keep everything in your, in your brain, how does it work for you?
1: Yeah. These are mostly just like, I have free time. So like, I just do random stuff, but none of these are like structured. It's just like, okay, whatever interested in at the moment, I might go and read about it. It's like, if I have free time or if I like can push my time around, then I'll just squeeze them in anywhere I can. But it's not like something I like dedicate time to reading about or anything. They're like very unstructured. (laughs)
0: Okay, so you I don't know wake up, eat your breakfast, and then you have some free time, and then, okay, what I'm going to read about today, let's read about frog voices.
1: <laughs> it's more like I've been thinking about this for the past one week, so I'm still reading about it, and I'm like, okay, well, next topic, Jack, I'm bored of frogs.
0: <laughs> okay, now let's read about horse genetics, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just switched between them.
0: Is it related to your interest in bioinformatics in any way?
1: Bioinformatics is more born from my general, like I was at that time very much obsessed. I wanted to be a researcher at any rate. I don't want to be anymore. But like at that point, I was like, biology and chemistry research is all I ever want to do in life. And then obviously, that was not possible at the time because I didn't have the resources available to like pursue that. And that's probably a good thing because now I'm not so sure if I want to do that. But then at that point, I was like, okay, what else can I do that is related to this? And then I discovered that bioinformatics is an entire field which is like the closest I can come to combining what I can do and what at the time I really wanted to do. So I was like, okay, this is like a nice mesh of my obsession at the time and what I can actually do. And then I was like, okay, well, I, I really want to do this like, long-term. So bioinformatics was like one of the things that just kind of stuck around, one of these obsessions that just stuck around.
0: <laughs> it, uh, I'm really curious about, so for example, you said you wanted to do research and then you started, but then you realized you don't want to do research, but how do you stay motivated when learning by yourself? Because I imagine for me, at least I quite often need an external push coming from somewhere
1: mm.
0: to when I'm not motivated to actually keep learning. Because if I don't do this, then I just, I don't know, not do anything. <laughs> So how, how do you keep yourself motivated when you learn by yourself, when you don't have this external push, then all your motivation is coming from from you? Like, how do you do this?
1: Honestly, I'm not really sure. I think I work better when there's like a deadline. So when I'm like not demotivated, I just set up like, okay, I have to finish this at this point. So then I know like, it's okay, okay the this is a deadline. Yourself. I set the deadline myself. Yeah. I think to some degree being homeschooled might have helped with this. Like I've never had much of an external factor to like keep me going. So it's always been like, okay, well, you got to do this at some point. So just like pick a date and then that date cannot move. So even if I have to stay up to like 2am, I have to finish it because of the deadline. So it's like, okay, I just set my deadlines and then I like, try to plan them as best as I can. And unless like something very big came up, the deadlines do not move. So if I've been lazy one week, I can't say, okay, I'm going to push the deadline one week because I didn't do anything. I'll just have to do it then. So I think that's the like, oh goodness, the deadline's almost here is my motivation.
0: Yeah, that requires a lot of discipline because if you set deadlines yourself, then yeah, that's really cool. You have a deadline and you know, okay, I have to do this. Hmm. But then since this deadline is not kinda real, I'm still trying to understand, like it probably wouldn't work for me, maybe. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think like at some point it's like I'll write my deadlines and I'll I have a sticker on my computer, like a digital one, obviously, and I just like write in big bold to the point where it annoys me and like I cannot remove it until I've finished it. So it's mostly just like bullying my brain into like, okay, you just have to do this now. Stop being lazy. I don't think I'm very organized with my time. I should be better at it. So sometimes I like will waste an entire week doing nothing much. But then I'm like, okay, well, let's not mess up this one deadline. Let's just stop messing around and do the work. So I think with it's ups and downs, like I get by, I won't say I'm the most organized or most uh, very self-disciplined person but like it works for me so it's fine I get the work done eventually so it also helps that I like switch between a lot of different things so if I'm bored of one thing and I'm sick of doing it then I can just switch to the next thing I like run things in parallel so I can like I have an escape like okay I'm sick and tired of doing data science let's go illustrate something instead
0: (laughs) See, yeah that's cool the mushroom was really cool (laughs) uh, so in the zoom cam in machine learning zoom cam we had some deadlines, I guess for you, it was helpful, right? So that's, the deadlines were external. And yeah. well, at least for me, that would be much, much more helpful than the deadlines I would set for myself, to
1: myself. Yeah, the deadlines were helpful. At some point, I was ignoring the midterm project because I didn't want to do it. I was bored. And I was like studying other stuff. And then it was like, I think I only began it in the second week. I was like, okay, oh, yeah, I should do this now because I'm going to run off time. And I did run off time because I got stuck. And then I finished it, I think I submitted it, like, the Sunday before, after I'd been, I, like, I got up early this Sunday, and I'm sitting working on the project the entire Sunday. And I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have ignored this for all of the first week. But, like, having the deadline, I was like, okay, I got to get this done. I might have skipped on it otherwise. But, like, I was, okay, I want to stay on the leaderboard. I can't skip this project.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, while you were procrastinating, you were reading, procrastinating, I mean, taking some time off the course
1: you can call it procrastination it's fine (laughs) you were probably
0: about poison and uh, toxicity of frogs right
1: no i think i was making scientific illustrations or something i can't remember i was like convincing my brain that this is productive too you know just the wrong kind of (laughs) productivity
0: and well you said that you use the sticky notes to i think you said bully your brain into
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes doing stuff (laughs)
0: <laughs> but when it comes to actually studying, like taking notes and uh, keeping your projects organized, do you have any system for that? Like any time tracking tools, goal setting? <laughs> I
1: think? No, I don't take notes because I forget to read them and I forget to pay attention if I'm making notes. So notes are like, I never do something, they never help me. So if I like forget things, I just rewatch it or Google it instead because notes have never worked for me. And as far as like time tracking tools and stuff go, no, I don't use them. It's just like, okay, I have the deadline, but before the deadline, I just mess around and do whatever. As long as the work gets done by the deadline, I don't care what my daily schedule looks like. It's like some days I will do a bunch of stuff in the day. And then some days I just do one thing in the day, like focus on one thing. So it's like whatever my mood is for that day, whatever I'm up to doing, but I don't try to use like any structural tools or anything.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned notes. Because for me, notes is the only thing that actually works if I want to retain <laughs> any information. So it's funny how everyone is different, right?
1: Yeah. Like I try taking notes because everyone's like, notes are your key to success. And if you don't take notes, you never like learn properly. So I was like, okay, well, I got to take notes now. And I couldn't. I would forget to pay attention when I'm listening so that I'd end up like listening to the entire lecture and I heard not a word. And I would forget them anyway. I wouldn't ever read my notes. I would forget what the notes mean. So notes just never worked for me.
0: Are there any drawbacks for self-studying? So let's say we compare a Zoom camp, which where deadlines are, let's say external, they are mm. forced uh, onto you mm. versus self-studying when you find material online and you take this, if you learn it uh, at your own pace. Mm. So what are the, some of the drawbacks in this approach when it's completely self-studying, completely based on your own motivation and discipline?
1: I think one of the drawbacks could be the same motivation and discipline thing. That's like, it's easier to not fulfill deadlines when you are the one setting them and nobody else is like responsible for them. And also I think it can be a bit harder to make sure you are learning the correct things on your own. Like you could end up wasting time or resources studying something that you're down the lane, you're like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Whereas if you're following a course or like a system somebody else made, you're like, okay, these are people in the industry. Obviously they know what is more beneficial to study at a given time. So like having the resources compiled is obviously a lot easier and maybe to some degree more efficient. Like there's a higher chance of making a mistake when you're doing yourself, because before you study and you don't know anything about that thing. And then afterwards, you can be like, okay, well, hindsight 2020, I shouldn't have done that. But obviously at this point, because I am doing all the self-study, I think its benefits outweigh this, like the freedom you get and how much more it works for me personally. But obviously it may not be for everybody. And like, there are these things which are maybe better in like following a structured study program.
0: Do you find study groups helpful for you or you prefer... Doing things yourself.
1: Yeah, I prefer doing things myself. I don't like study groups. I'm not very much a social person. I don't like doing things with others. <laughs> I'm fine on my own. But I know for others, they're like vastly helpful. Like lots of people have said that study groups give them the motivation and stuff to self-study. So I think for people who are of that like personality, it would be very helpful for them maybe. But personally, I don't like them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe other thing that study groups help with is the deadlines. So you as a group yeah. set on the deadlines, and then you walk through a course, even if this course is a self-paced course, mm. then it kind of work is a, like in a small cohort. Sort of like,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, like I've never, I've never seen any appeal in that myself because that's just not like how I like studying. But okay. I assume for people who like the social part, they'd be a lot more motivated even with like multiple people doing it or something.
0: And then I think at the beginning, you said uh, one of the goals you have is to break into machine learning. Yeah. So having this goal, does it help you to actually focus on studying and selecting which kind of material you want to focus on and things like that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because now I'm reading more about machine learning. I'm trying to like learn more about how the industry works. I'm trying to find out what type of opportunities are open in machine learning because now I'm like serious. Okay, I want to do machine learning. Whereas previously, at most I've had like a passing interest in machine learning, like okay, it's cool, but I don't know if I'm doing it or no. So I never paid as much attention to it. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I need to seriously do this. So I should find resources. I should try and make connections in the machine learning world. I must try and get my name out there.
0: In the Zoom camp, there were two kinds of parts. So there was the data science part, more focused on machine learning theory. And then there was more practical data, um, machine learning engineering part. Which one did you like more?
1: I don't know. I kind of like both. I didn't have like any particular preference either way. I didn't much like the ML op like the cloud part with like the Kubernetes and Docker because I I don't like People that. Like- no, I don't like it as much. It's like I don't want to focus on the ML ops part. Like obviously I know it's necessary if you're going in the industry or whatever, but like I preferred the working with code without worry how to get it running in deployment. But like the way it was handled in the Zoom camp, I actually thought it was a lot more difficult from like what I had seen briefly out of the zoom camp but then okay this is maybe not so bad like after i'd done it but like before especially before like we reached those modules i was like oh goodness we have to do like docker because i was like i was very much daunted by the fact that docker is like this huge thing i was like okay it's not so bad it's fine i can do this (laughs) but like i think those are probably my least favorite segments was the especially the kubernetes Mm do
0: you have any tips for anyone who wants to start about also come as a student now, for example, in a self-paced mode?
1: Tips. I don't know. And
0: how would you suggest the approach studying it?
1: I don't know. I never really thought that much about doing it. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm doing this. Maybe, I don't know. I think I did find the Slack community very really helpful. And I think... The Slack community, not only like asking them questions, because to be honest, I didn't do that as much. I preferred Googling instead of asking on the Slack, (laughs) but even like just reading it. And if anybody's stuck, helping them. Because like in trying to help them, you realize that, okay, I never understood this as well as I thought I did. And then if you're like helping them with things or you can further your own understanding. So I think that was like kind of the one thing maybe I could give. I don't know, I know what to give for tips.
0: (laughs) That's a good tip. I think, uh, at least for me, teaching is the best way of learning something. So, Mm -hmm. when I can explain a concept, then I am fairly confident that I probably understand it more or less.
1: Yeah, because explaining in a way that somebody else understands is so much harder. I don't like going in Slack communities and interacting with people because I don't like doing that. But I try to make a point of doing it in this Zoom camp and like, Grudgingly, I must say that, okay, it did help me understand this better when I had to like, help other people do it.
0: Then, uh, I don't know if you use it. Maybe you're tired of hearing about ChatGPT, but what I found useful also is just talking to the chatbot mm-hmm. about a topic and then just asking it questions and then making sure I understand it. Mm. Yeah, that was very helpful. I guess for you, you said you don't really like study groups. But yeah, it's like uh, you know, having <laughs> a peer. Sometimes. A
1: fake study group. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I fixed study group, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I never thought about using ChatGPT in that way before. That's interesting.
0: Do you use it at all?
1: I've, like, messed with it a few times, but not, like, actually used it because I've never, like, I still go to Google first and never thought that I should ask JetGPT. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, let's see. I think we have a few questions. One question is how can we learn about advanced topics like PhD-level courses?
1: Yeah, that could be hard. I'm not sure how advanced you could go in, Like there are lots of postgraduate resources available online as well. Like you might have to pay for, there might be more paid than free. There might not be as much free resources, but I think you could go a bit way, like with paid resources and reading research articles. And like, I definitely think it is possible, but maybe harder than doing like undergrad stuff because there's a lot of resources for undergrad and maybe not that many for like PhD or whatever.
0: Yeah, because I guess there is more demand for beginner level stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if like that many people who are doing online self-study pursue that degree, like that high level of study or no. But I think it is possible. I like, I don't think it is impossible. It might just be harder to study that kind of stuff on your own.
0: And also doing PhD by yourself is probably difficult in the sense that you probably need an institution that helps you with research helps
1: yeah
0: yeah helps you with access to i don't know labs or whatever helps you
1: yeah i don't even think it's possible to get a phd like phd level entirely by yourself but i've never really researched officially getting a phd if you've not gone to like uni or school before i'm not sure how that would work
0: but for sure you can publish a paper without
1: yeah yeah i think you could get to that knowledge level on your own
0: yeah, but and uh, also like if you spend time doing this you need to live on something like you need to eat or
1: yeah, obviously because usually
0: university pays money right and uh, yeah <laughs> if you don't get income and you spend like six years doing research it can be tricky right?
1: <laughs> that's the practicalities of it
0: <laughs> uh, but the main resource here is papers right so there are there are no not so many other resources that you can use that like there is no zoom camp about uh, some phd level topic
1: <laughs> yeah i don't think so but i think papers must be the major ones or like getting if we can get like subscription to libraries or something where they have more in-depth stuff i'm not sure like how that would work because not something i've like heavily researched myself like i've now been interested in getting to a phd so
0: by libraries you mean like uh, these electronic libraries from springer or nature or
1: yeah, yeah. Something like a publication that can get you access to like a lot more of the, uh-huh. the higher level stuff than you can get access uh, to.
0: Like IEEE, ACM, this kind of, I guess, organizations.
1: Yeah, what I'm assuming like being in a uni would give you access to, because like a lot of them have like, if you have like uni email address or stuff, you can log in. So I'm assuming that is the kind of stuff that uni already gives you access to, so.
0: I remember having access to all this major, I didn't have to pay for reading for articles. Because like it's another topic for discussion, right? Why do you need to pay fifty euros for a three page four page scientific <laughs> article? Yes. Also finding that researchers who publish articles need to pay to publish articles. So like this is wrong on so many levels.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm in a lot of scientific communities on Twitter, and more than half of them are always complaining about how hard it is to just get researches published. Like you think that scientific institutions would be more welcoming of like, it's new research, it's cool, you want to learn more about the world, but also you have to jump like 5 billion hoops and pay your arm and a leg just to get your research out there. So like, <laughs> it's, it seems like a very counterintuitive process. Yeah.
0: That's why I like this archive where it's just all the pre-prints, prints are there, but then again, you have to do a lot of filtering yourself. You don't know
1: yeah.
0: a, a paper from archive is good or it's not.
1: Yeah, enough. I assume that is like some of the money that it charged for like you get curated resources. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot less chance of bad publications coming in those. Mm-hmm.
0: And then another question is related to burnout. I don't know if you ever had to deal with anything like that. Like when you, you cannot just study anything and all you want to do is, I don't know, watch YouTube videos with cats. Huh. Did that ever happen to
1: you? I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't really like taken a break in a while. So mm. I'm not really sure. I feel like if I would stop, then maybe there would be an issue. But like, it's fine. I've just been going for a while. So like I have the momentum.
0: <laughs> and probably you mentioned a few times that you like to switch between topics. Like one yeah. day you read about machine learning and then the other day you create illustrations, right? Yeah. This helps, right?
1: Yeah. I switched between a lot of things. Like right now, I would switch between like my bioinformatics, machine learning. And in my illustration, I have like two or three different projects I'm doing at the same time. So it's like, if I get bored of one thing, I'm like, okay, hop onto the other, hop onto the other. So like I have like a fallback route instead of like doing nothing. Like if I were doing only one thing, I feel this would be a bigger issue because I do get bored of things very easily. So I'm like, okay, I'm sick of this. I don't want to do it because I did like two days in a row, which I know it's not a lot, but it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I have like, I can work on another project. I can do something else. And then I'm like, okay, I have some more interest in that project a days later. Yeah, interesting.
0: Well, I think we should be slowly wrapping up. So maybe mm-hmm. the last question is, are there any books or other good resources that you can recommend to the listeners?
1: Uh, that's a hard one because like, this is on what? <laughs>
0: self writing, machine learning, uh, learning in general, bioinformatics, anything you think that would be interesting for the listeners.
1: For Python, I can recommend, like, I had done a course which was pretty, which was very interesting, was Python for Everybody, and I liked it because the person was not spending too long on the stuff, it was like a bit of a fast pace, but also if he went into a bit more in-depth than like, okay, write so-and-so syntax because, just because. Machine learning, I haven't, like, looked up that many resources as I have for other stuff. But, like, I can recommend the Zoom camp and your book (laughs) because I found those helpful. And I would say that they're, like, good resources. So I think I can recommend those. And for, like, the thing is, I haven't spent, like, a lot of time following specific resources because I jump between them so much. So it's hard for me to say, like, there's so many, which I would have to, like, I could dig into my resources and say so it's hard to like say off the top of my mind that, okay, that's a good resource.
0: Did you take any course about studying? I know that uh, there is a course on Coursera learning to learn, something like this. Did you ever take anything like that or from your school homeschooling, you kind of knew how to, to approach it?
1: No, I haven't ever really taken anything. I have seen that learning how to learn course and I think I watched it like introduction or something, but I was so bored, but I just closed it. I didn't like watch it further. <laughs>
0: Okay, then that's all we have time for today. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot for joining us uh, today, for sharing your experience uh, about self learning. And thanks everyone also for joining us today, for listening in. And yeah, I guess that's it for today.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to speak on the podcast. I really enjoyed it.
0: Our pleasure. So yeah, have a great weekend, everyone. Goodbye.